One, two, three, four, five. <laughs> Everybody in the car. So come on, let's ride. To the liquor store around the corner. The boys say they want some gin and juice, but I really don't want to. Welcome to Warp to Remember. Why I said oh before I read this was, in case you didn't know, those were the iconic lyrics from the 1999 classic Mambo Number no. 5 oh by Lou Bega. And when I googled the lyrics, it says Mambo Number no. 5, parenthetical, a little bit of. Ooh. And then it said, from Bratz movie. That was my, oh. You know, the Bratz movie from the mid-2000s that I really enjoyed and watched multiple times for no reason. I've never seen But why Bratz movie? movie? Of all the things for Mambo Number no. 5 to be known for. It's known for itself. Like, Correct. <laughs> the Bratz movie, that's so... Which came so much later. Yeah, that's bonkers. The fuck? Lou Bega is probably like, what the hell? Anyway, welcome to Warped to Remember. <laughs> I'm Zoe, and I'm joined by Rachel, and we're two best friends who put together a podcast to look back at the incredible tour that is Warp Tour, and talk about the music, the style, the bands, the artists, the maybe the skateboarders one day of the tour. Oh, our skateboard facts <gasps> today. I'm so excited. Um, so we started this podcast because we just really like talking about this kind of stuff. We thought we're going to put it out there for anybody else that likes to talk about this kind of stuff. Um, sometimes we do episodes where we talk about the history of one of the years of Warp Tour, which is today. We're talking about the history of 1989. Uh, sometimes we do episodes where we pick a theme and pick songs for each other to listen to. So if you missed last week's episode, that's what we talked about. The songs that were really iconic for us in 1999. That we enjoy. That we felt were worth talking so, about. There was a couple of... Uh, wild cards. Wild cards in there. Um, so... We have a great time here. Uh, if you're interested in learning more about us or talking to us about your experiences with either Warp Tour or if you're new to the scene and you're just interested about the scene, um, follow us on our social medias. We're on Facebook, uh, Instagram, MySpace, all at a Warp to Remember, and we're on Twitter, which is probably the easiest way to get a hold of us. Uh, we're at Warped Number Two, Remember, and we're doing a little something special today. So. We're kicking this uh, episode off in June, and it's going to kick off Pride Month. Woo! Woo! We are both um, very proud queer women who uh, love to support other queer people, and especially queer artists, especially in the pop punk scene where um, there was a there was quite a bit of uh, interesting things happening in respect to the LGBT community. But mm-hmm. it was never, you know, some some. People were probably hidden and maybe didn't feel like it was... There's a lot of queer baiting going on yes, in exactly. historically <laughs> pop punk, but there was also, yeah, a lot of wild... Yeah, a lot of wild stuff going on, so <laughs> we thought it'd be a great idea to kind of highlight some of the queer artists that we really love, whom we're listening to, and get you guys into them as well, so... At the top of every episode in June, we're going to give you... We're going to each give you a little pick of the week, a little yeah. queer pick of the week, and... Hit us up. Talk to us about it. We're taking suggestions. We love listening to queer artists. We'd love to be introduced to more. Yep. Uh, hit us up. And without further ado, what's your pick? So my pick for today is I Still Remember by Black Party. Oh, I didn't know Black Party were queer. Yeah. The lead singer of Black Party, uh, Kele, he is, he's mostly known by that mononym. He has a very long, beautiful last name that... 
I will butcher if I try. So I, I'm sorry. His last name is Kayle, or his first name is Kayle. And he's the lead singer rhythm guitarist of the band Block Party. And he is an out gay man. And this song, I still remember, is a really beautiful and kind of bittersweet song about being a young person, probably pretty closeted, and having feelings for somebody and spending time with just that person and wishing that they would just see you for you Mm -hmm. and make that first move so that you could be the brave one and make and like come out and be yourself and be with this person because you love this person and I think we can all probably relate to that if you know as queer people maybe it's just anybody but especially as a queer person um as a young queer person kind of closeted just seeing somebody that you know you're in love with but can't really tell them so it's a beautiful song it's a little sad but it's it's very and unfortunately very relatable to most queer kids yes <laughs> coming to terms with our sexuality Absolutely. and our gender identities yeah so that's my first pick for this uh june pride month is black party i still remember i love it I picked a really iconic pop punk mainstay, in my opinion, which is Against Me, an amazing band who have been around for quite a while. They were, um, they've played Warped, they've been involved in the scene forever, and in the, in like the early 2010s, the lead singer came out as a trans woman, and Against Me is led by, just as a front person, like gender journey regardless her voice is beautiful and just rings so beautifully and is so instantly in my opinion lovable but unique it feels so authentically pop punk to me but still there's something elevated about it there's something about the way she performs Mm -hmm. and so the song i picked is true trans soul rebel which is off the album transgender dysphoria blues which is from 2014 they've been against me has continued to tour and release music um but this was the first big album specifically about uh laura's transition and laura jane grace is the lead singer that i keep referring to she is amazing and so vocal about her journey and what i really love about this song is it's it's dark and it's sad and it doesn't romanticize anything um but it sounds fun. It like kind of baits you and brings you in and it's an objectively fun song to listen to. But when you really get to the nitty gritty, it's complex. And I think I'm not a trans individual, but my best understanding as a queer person who's always kind of struggled with my gender identity, just being a queer person and wondering like what I'm allowed, am I allowed to look butch? Am I not mm-hmm. allowed? Am I not femme enough? Am I not gay enough looking? Mm-hmm. I can kind of sort of relate to this. I will never pretend to have the struggle that I imagine that Laura has gone through, but I think it's an inherently relatable thing for anyone. And that's why I love that so much of Against Me's music is about Laura's transition. Um, The chorus is, who's going to take you home tonight? Who's going to take you home? Does God bless your transsexual heart, true trans soul rebel? And 
it's heavy and I will any people listening trans or not uh there's a lot of reference of self-harm within it um but of this kind of biological warfare of like bleeding out what's wrong and Mm -hmm. not choosing not being able to choose how you're born but choosing how you can live and being an outsider it's just so many big themes but the way in which they package it is so palatable and relatable to anyone who's ever felt like an outsider Mm -hmm. and i can only imagine what power this lends to trans individuals especially trans women especially in the alternative scene it's just hugely powerful that she is out there making this amazing music speaking her truth sharing all this i highly recommend that you listen to all of against me i really got into them in 2011 with the white crosses black crosses album um i was a teenage anarchist one of my favorite songs by them and they just embody so much of what we talk about on this podcast of this like suburban anger wanting to get out and be more and then their their more recent work is also very queer but whether or not you're queer whether or not you're trans i think there's just something so powerful about the music and it's just beautiful sounding and it's fun to listen to at the end of the day and it's still very punk to me yeah and very alternative so long story long i'm very passionate about this i'll talk less with our future queer picks but i have a lot of feelings that against me and i really love laura jean grace so i'm very happy to be able to shed light because we're not i like all their later stuff so i've yet to be able to really pick any of their songs for our previous episodes so i'm glad this is we have this opportunity <laughs> So with that, any thoughts? All right. So we are going to jump into the History 99, and I'm so excited. Rachel did the research for this one, so she's going to take the helm. Um, We'll cut in some great music. So sit back, relax, and let's get into 1999. Yeah. So painting you a picture. In 1999, in 1999, the average cost of a gallon of gas was $1.22. God. Uh, we're approaching the end of the millennium. There are high tensions and big changes ahead. An even larger emphasis on politics, the state of the nation, particularly the state of America's nation, and capitalism and tech. Uh, we talked a lot in the 1998 episode about rising political tensions, especially within the music we're listening to, you know, bad religion, these punk bands really shedding light on bigger issues and being really pissed at the world at large being really hyper aware of where we stand approaching the year 2000. So with that, I'm going to start with some downer shit and then we're going to get into some fun shit. So bear with me, (laughs) but I think it's really important that we acknowledge all the nitty gritty because it directly influences and indirectly influences us as listeners and the musicians as artists, whether or not they're really thinking about it. We're constantly inundated with it. We came of age in this time, you know? So within politics and the economy, there was a lot going on. Bill Clinton was acquitted in impeachment proceedings in the U.S. Senate in February of 1999. Uh, This was the Monica Lewinsky scandal. We all know um, a lot of music and pop culture made light of it. Uh, Most notably, if you listen to last week's episode, Eminem's uh, My Name Is video features a, in my opinion, distasteful Monica Lewinsky joke. Uh, I think she was done real dirty and Bill Clinton is objectively fine, which is a bummer. So that was huge, um, largely made light of, largely made fun of. 
but that was a huge thing going on in the nation of the United States. Uh, <laughs> Bill Gates's personal fortune makes him the wealthiest individual in the world due to the increased value of Microsoft stock. This was in April that this was declared. So Microsoft was really taking off home computers, internet, everything. Yeah. Exactly. Windows 99. Huge. Skyrocketing. And then also we're seeing these like really powerful old white dudes making a fuckload of money. Yep. Just story you know. of the world. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, also, off the coast of Martha's Vineyard, a plane crashed, piloted by John F. Kennedy Jr. Killed oh, him, shit. his wife, and her sister. So that was a big moment. Yeah. Um, another travel-related political figure death, which is pretty wild, as we're still reeling from Princess Diana's death. Right. Um, and even Kurt Cobain's death in 94, which I always hearken back to. I feel like it's it really just set up so much of this time. Um, and then back to economics and whatnot, the ExxonMobil merger is completed, which forms the largest corporation in the world. So we're seeing these huge strides in capitalism and the 1% that's really going to feed into the new millennium. Mm-hmm. And that's really going to come to a head, I think in the, the early aughts in the 2010s, especially. And then Boris Yeltsin resigns as president of Russia, leaving Prime Minister Vladimir Putin as the acting president, oh which, as we know, he's still For the next kicking. 20 years. Yeah, so set the scene for that as well. Pretty crazy. 20 years. Uh, we laugh so we don't cry. <laughs> A huge thing going on, especially in the United States, but literally around the world, there was so much... Um, so many acts of terrorism, so many assassinations and assassination attempts, just constant political unrest at home and abroad. Most notably in the U.S., I think for our purposes, because a lot of Warped Tour is American and a lot of the bands are American, um, an unarmed immigrant from Guinea named Amadou Diallo is shot dead by New York City police officers on an unrelated stakeout, and this sparked huge outrage in the city. So this is a story we know all too well in 2019. Um, but four officers all in street clothes approached Mr. Diallo on the stoop of his building. They fired 41 shots, striking him 19 times as he retreated inside. Jesus. The officers who were white said they thought he had a gun, which turned out to be a wallet. So he was on his stoop late at night where he lived doing nothing. And these cops on a stakeout in complete street clothes showed up, pulled guns on him. And he thought he was... The the leading theory is that he thought he was being mugged, so he reached for his wallet, which they took to be a gun, and then fired 41 shots. That's insane. And the four officers were acquitted of all charges. Yeah, of course. So huge political umbrage and uproar, and rightly so, really fucked up. Another thing which is crazy fucked is uh, the white supremacist John William King is found guilty of kidnapping and murdering African-American James Byrd Jr. He dragged him behind a truck for two miles uh, and he was found guilty and that was also a huge, I mean, just racial tensions are very high. Hate crimes are very casual and constant as they are today. Uh, But you can notice, especially in 99 and I think no accident with the internet and with more home computers and with Windows 99 and things like that, word was spreading more and people were were being more upset and more aware of what's going on Mm -hmm. um so those were two really big american things and then of course april 20th 1999 was the columbine high school massacre 
Mm-hmm. Uh, two Littleton, Colorado teenagers, whom I will not name because I don't think it's worth naming them, opened fire on their teachers and classmates, killing 12 students and one teacher, and then themselves. So really dark time, really powerful imagery surrounding this that permeates all pop culture, but especially music uh, moving forward. Across the world, political unrest, and I think it's no accident that this was all while we were approaching the new millennium, and it really is fucked. So a lot going on, a lot of tensions, um, and even people who were not actively involved in all this stuff, I mean, it permeates. There's, it just, it permeates, and whether or not you're fully retaining it, it's all around you and it's happening. So I think we'd be remiss not to talk about it. It's just a really heavy time. Um, on top of all of those tragedies and that political unrest and terror attacks, there was a lot going on in internet and tech, which had a whole ripple effect as well. The China News Service announces a new government restrictions on internet aimed specifically at internet cafes. So we're starting to see more legislation around the internet, which was kind of a free for all and still is and, you know, permeates through the next 20 years, trying to figure out how to navigate the internet and free information and censorship, et cetera, et cetera. So that's a huge thing. I think it feeds very much into the punk scene as well. Um, The Melissa virus was a mass mailing macro virus Mm -hmm. that was released in March of 1999. Uh, David L. Smith of Aberdeen Township, New Jersey released it. It targeted Microsoft Word and Outlook-based systems. It created considerable network traffic. Smith was accused of causing $80 million worth of damages by disrupting personal computers and computer networks in business and government. And then by December, because this took place in March, by December, Smith pleaded guilty to releasing the virus and was sentenced to 10 years in prison, serving 20 months. He was also fined $5,000. And this was this arrest was a result of a collaborative effort involving the FBI, the New Jersey State Police, Monmouth Internet and a Swedish computer scientist. Wow. So really the first of its kind of like a major a major effort to apprehend and arrest someone who released a virus and also realizing the power of the internet and technology and causing eighty million dollars worth of damage from his computer. Yeah. You know, and something we were not really aware of and this is obviously all feeding into the Y two K scare. Right. Um and meanwhile, you know, the reason the white that what everyone was afraid of didn't happen is because there were all of these people working in tech and in computers who were working madly all year to make sure that this didn't happen. Right. Yeah. You know, it's fun to look back and laugh about where everyone was freaking out, like, computers are going to get reset, we're all going to die. But, like, that was a real threat. Yeah. And especially for the average American who was just, like, all of a sudden aware of techno- of this technology in, like, the last five years. And then all of a sudden it dominates everything. Yeah. Never happened in human history technology moving that quickly so really wild time to be alive when you think about it yeah um there were a bunch of natural disasters as usual i mean it kind of happens all the time but a bunch of earthquakes bunch of tornadoes there was the fastest wind on record in um i believe it was arkansas wow there was a tornado that was like fastest winds ever like ever insane so much property damage lives lost insane and that was on the homestead but there was also uh, Columbia earthquake that killed at least 1,900 people. There was uh, tornadoes, monsoons, you know, you name it. That's all going on at the same time. So with that in mind, move into the lighter subject of pop culture. Man. For better and for worse, 
I think there's kind of two sides to 1999 pop culture. There's the very aware political unrest. Drink every time I say political unrest. <laughs> but this very aware political economic anger right. versus the far other side of like, let's just forget all of our troubles and have a good time. Because pop music really was having a renaissance at this time. In 1999, uh, some of the popular songs of 1999 all start by Smash Mouth. <laughs> I Want It That Way by the Backstreet Boys. I it that way. Living La Vida Loca by oh Ricky Martin. Oh my God, what hits? Heartbreaker <sighs> by Mariah Carey. Also, oh I Still God. Believe by Mariah Carey. Oh my God. Um, TLC was having a big moment yes. and Pretty was out at that time but so was No Scrubs <gasps> Bills 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 by Destiny's Child oh If God. You Have My Love by Jennifer Lopez Every Morning by Sugar Ray oh my god and then More For Our More For Our Vibe Learn To Fly by, the, by Foo Fighters Scar Tissue by Red Hot Chili Peppers Dominating the Charts um, Genie in a Bottle Genie and I Want It That Way same year and this was all during Britney's like come up yeah Britney's all under the like whole umbrella of Britney Spears. Yeah. And then Wild Wild West, Will Smith, My Name is Eminem, What's My Age Again, Blink-182. Like, it's crazy. Smooth by Santana. You Drive Me Crazy, Britney Spears. Like, just a real crazy time for pop, especially. Yeah. And I think a lot of it was because of this dark time and this impending fear of the unknown and of Y2K. It was, you know, we went extra hard on the the sugar sweet pop and the boy bands and girl bands and performers that we all now know and love mm-hmm. um, to just kind of distract us from our daily troubles. Yeah, really. You know? It really is. You drive me crazy. I just can't see. I'm so excited. I'm in too deep. Oh, crazy. But it feels alright. Baby, baby, you keeps me up all night. So in popular culture, beyond those awesome singles, the 71st Academy Awards are held in Los Angeles. Shakespeare in Love won Best Picture. It also won seven Oscars total. God. It was hosted by Whoopi Goldberg. This was her third time hosting. She hosted in 94, 96, and then 99. I love her. Right? Honestly. Saving Private Ryan won five Oscars, and Life is Beautiful won three Oscars. So big moment for Life is Beautiful, which is an Italian film. Highly recommend. Beautiful. Um, the telecast of the Academy Awards garnered around fifty, or I'm sorry, forty-six million viewers. Wow! So people were really paying attention. It was a big moment. And then in June, Turin, Italy, is awarded the 2006 Winter Olympics. So they're planning ahead for that. Uh, Bosnia and Herzegovina get a new national anthem. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Which is, I mean, which is a real because we're finally at the end of the Balkan War. I mean, that's yeah. finished up and. That's a big moment for the fact that they redrew like all the lines and the exactly. And then you know, power of music. I mean, yeah, new national anthem. It right. just goes to show like how powerful and igniting that kind of thing can be. Yep. Uh, fun. Getting into some fun facts here before we really dive into the music nitty gritty. Uh, American soccer player Brandy Chastain yes. scores the game-winning penalty kick yes. against China. Yes, I love. I remember. And that's the FIFA Women's World Cup, oh, which took place in July. God. 
I that was in the final. That. I love that I knew moment. you would, that's why I flagged it. I love that moment. I remember exactly where I was in my living room sitting watching that when she they when she tore her shirt off in her sports bra. Oh, what a moment. But I Even I, I know that and I hate soccer. I love right. <laughs> I loved soccer. I played for thirteen years. It it's one of my favorite sports. Might be my favorite sport ever. Well, and especially in the late '90s with the girl power movement. And yes. Because I was a kid at this point. I started kindergarten in 1999. Right. Judge me, at me. <laughs> but um, I remember these moments, yeah. of especially women in soccer. I know. Yeah. Growing up as a kid in the 2000s, Mia Hamm was huge. Oh huge my god. Huge inspiration. Everybody. Love me. Brandi Chastain. And then you know we had the Spice Girls. We had yes. Britney. I mean, and I had for all better their first, They were highly sexualized, but. Yeah. It was really a really great time for women. Oh, I fucking <laughs> Compared, love the 90s. I mean, still fucked. We're always fucked. Yeah. And now we're really fucked. But it was a cool time to be yes. like a young girl growing up and seeing some of this. Yes, absolutely. Also a traumatic time being a young girl growing up in this. Yeah. As we talk about, you know, plastic surgery, reality TV, beauty right. standards. But cool time. Right? Yeah. Girl movement's going strong. Um, I think Sassy, that kick-ass magazine was happening, which was like oh. the antithesis of Seventeen. It was right. like the cool girl magazine Sassy. that made you love yourself. Right. Um, so it was an interesting time, especially for, yes. for guests. Yeah. couple fun facts that I just had to include because they're wild. Good. While trying to circumnavigate the world in a hot air balloon. Oh, God. Colin Prescott and Andy Elson set a new endurance record after being aloft in a hot air balloon. Fuck. For 233 hours nope. and 55 minutes. Um, no. But same year, different people, Bertrand Picard and Brian Jones become the first to circumnavigate the world in a hot air balloon. So these guys tried and they set this like record, this endurance record, that these different guys circumnavigated the earth. Same year. What a year for hot air balloons. <laughs> Who the fuck knew in 99 that hot air balloons were finally going to get there? Isn't that insane? I just had to include it because I'm like, the fuck? And they're two <laughs> completely different dudes. Like, anyway. God, guys have a lot of time on their hands, don't they? Yeah. After, oh, no, so do women because um, <laughs> after rowing, rowing, rowing for 81 days. Oh, Jesus. 2,962 nautical miles. Tori Murden became the first woman to cross the Atlantic Ocean by <gasps> rowboat alone. Oh, my God. She reached Guadalupe from the Canary Islands. Is that crazy? That is far. For our international Wait. listeners, that's 5,486 kilometers. Rowing by herself. What? Jesus. I was a good time I, for endurance. Like, yeah, really, apparently. Because we like, all endured so much trauma. And like, right? Well, I guess, here's the, I mean, I can see why. I It makes, actually, kind of makes sense, like, why these big um, feats of strength are happening. Because, I mean, if the, like, everybody was anticipating the world to just, like, stop, you know? Yeah. Everybody was like, I might as well go try Set it. some records. Might like, as well fly. just, like. <laughs> yeah. Um, couple more fun facts. After 22 years of restoration work, Leonardo da Vinci's The Last Supper is placed back on display in Milan, Italy. Mm. That's cool. A total solar eclipse is seen in Europe and Asia. Another endurance record in Rome. I'm going to butcher this name. I'm so sorry. Hisham El Garouche. Garouche? Runs the fastest mile ever recorded. Want to guess how fast the fastest mile ever recorded was? Two, two minutes, 59 no. seconds. <laughs> 3.43. Oh, okay. That was going to be my second guess. 3.43.13. So like under four minutes. Wild. Yeah. Pretty fucking How? Fast. Yeah. 
And then a couple final fun facts for reference. Lil Nas X was born <clears throat> on April 9th, 1999. That's my birthday. He's 20. Yeah. One, he's 20, which is wild. But also, I turned four. Wow. Look at you. <laughs> I turned four when Lil Nas X was born. Oh my God. So that's wild. Harley Quinn Smith, a filmmaker, Kevin Smith's daughter. Harley Quinn Smith, in her own right, is an actress and a really fascinating... I recommend you follow her on Instagram. I love her. I stand her. I had the... Wonderful privilege of meeting her at a screening, and she was the sweetest. She is an activist and is super cool, posts some really great shit about uh, gender equality, being a female artist. She's awesome. She was born uh, in June of 99. Chandler Riggs, you may know him as Carl on The Walking Dead, was born. And Kiernan Shipka, who is our current Sabrina in The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. She was also on Mad Men and on Feud, Bet and Joan. Um... Yeah, Betty and Joan, but you know. Uh, she was born in November. So a bunch of 20-year-old famous people who are richer and more successful than I'll ever be. <laughs> oh my God. All were born in uh, 99. So, jumping into music. Music at large. Huge thing happened in 99. June 1st of 1999, Napster, a music downloading service, debuts. And little do we know how much shit that would cause. So, Napster is debuting in 99. This also directly ties into the tech stuff I've been talking about. We're now realizing just how much power is there and just how much the internet is the wild wild west and it's gonna feed into a lot of problems for music i also want to constantly remind everybody that whenever we talk about albums going like double platinum triple platinum keep in mind that so many of those numbers don't even account for illegal downloads Fuck, that's just yeah so like these records that were set and the these like huge cultural moments were probably even more so because we had napster and limewire and all of these things that you know there's just information lost to time right. yeah which is crazy. And there, unfortunately, there's, you know, money that these people will never see. And I mean, yeah, I'm not going to, like, weep for the billionaires of music and millionaires of music. But it's a bummer because, you know, you're an artist and you're getting dicked over. It's a bummer. But it's also the democratization of music. So many people who would not have had it otherwise are now introduced to new things. Right. Word of mouth has a whole new meaning now. Yeah. And, you know, kids in bodunk funkin' nowhere could... I said funkin'. And Bodunk? Podunk, Bodunk, <laughs> Funkin' Nowhere. They could they could have access to dope yeah. music that they True. never would have had access to True. otherwise. And the gatekeepers are dismantled yeah. to, an, to an extent. Yeah. Uh, the music industry is still crazy, and to this day, it's still crazy, and there's a lot of gatekeeping. But um, so many indie bands had a whole new shot that they never would have had because of this, which is yeah. cool. And I mean, now, SoundCloud rappers and shit, like YouTube... Pretty wild, for better and for worse, you know. Complex can of worms I won't get into, but <laughs> Napster was right in the middle, smack in the middle of 1999. Yeah. And that's going to, I think, impact everything we talk about from here on out. Yeah. Directly yeah. or indirectly. Yeah. Um, so, the Grammys. Oh I got God. ahead of myself, and I skipped ahead, and I'm sorry. I'm infringing it's on okay. next month's. But How dare. Eminem played Warped this year. Right. 
Eminem played Warped 1999. I hope you listened to last week's episode because I chose an Eminem song and I kind of went over why I feel like it was actually totally made sense that he was at Warped. But um, I skipped a little bit ahead. So the 2000 Grammys celebrating 1999's music was hosted by Rosie O'Donnell, who was consistently making fun of Whitney Houston for her recent arrest for marijuana possession, which kind of rubbed everyone the wrong way because Rosie O'Donnell was known for being like a nice, sweet comedian. And then we're like, little do we know. Um, (laughs) Oh, yeah. Surprise. So that was like an ongoing weird thing. Uh, Also, it was a big night for Carlos Santana. He won eight awards, including Album of the Year for Supernatural. That uh, that award was presented by Lauren Hill and Bob Dylan together, which is interesting as well. Yeah. Santana's speech called for, quote, love, understanding, and oneness. It's very sweet. Very happy to be. Uh, Will Smith opened the show. There were also performances by the Dixie Chicks, TLC, Kid Rock, and Britney Spears. Just to kind of set the scene, this was in the year 2000, but it's celebrating 1999's music. So I try to always look ahead with the Grammys with that. And then Billy Joel took the stage to honor Elton John with a Grammy Legend Award. Mm -hmm. So skipping ahead one more, bear with me here. The 2001 Grammys wild and so much about Eminem but I will say fun fact about it it opened with Madonna's single music she entered the stage on a glittery limo driven by you'll never guess oh no Lil Bow Wow oh my god (laughs) I vaguely remember for our younger listeners if there are any he's now just Bow Wow but we used to know him back in the day as Lil Bow Wow the precursor to Lil Romeo, right. whom I love. Yes. So anyway, wild. Madonna wow. shows up in a glittery limo. God. On stage. This isn't just her like red red carpet. On stage, yeah. driven by Lil Bell. Um, but the huge talk of the night was Eminem, and that's why I bring this up. So to kind of put you in place here historically, Eminem played 1999's Warped Tour. This was while he was promoting the Slim Shady LP. The following year, he released the Marshall Mathers LP, which won a Grammy. So Warped Tour was really a direct stepping stone into him becoming a household name and becoming so successful. And this was all before 8 Mile. Yeah. So he was already hugely prolific from a very early career, like from a very early career standpoint, you know? Um, so the big talk tonight was Eminem. He had already achieved tremendous commercial success but wasn't quite as respected as he would be once 8 Mile comes out. Right. So just to kind of place you with that. Um, but he was often criticized for his homophobic and sexist lyrics, which we kind of talked about in the last episode. He says a lot of stuff for shock value. No holds barred. Nothing is sacred. He talks shit about everyone and everything, but a lot of that is homophobic and misogynistic. Um, so everyone was shocked because he had this reputation as being the shock value comedic rap performer making fun of everything, shocking everyone. And then it was announced that Eminem agreed to perform Stan, his edgy song about an obsessed fan, with openly gay music legend Elton John. Isn't that the craziest sentence? Yeah. And of all the songs, Stan, which is a very divisive song. Yeah. Very edgy song. So John Stewart hosted the Grammys that year. And he made a bunch of really, in my opinion, problematic and poorly aged jokes. Um, but he attempted to break the ice. So he said in the opening monologue, quote, there's a tremendous amount of controversy here tonight. I think we have to deal with it right off the top. I don't know what all the controversy is about, quite frankly. I've met Eminem. I've met him backstage and he's really gay. I mean, just about the gayest guy you'd ever meet. 
That was the latest joke he made. Oh it got God, worse from there. I don't know. Jesus. So everyone was hyper aware of like what's Eminem going to do. He had this weird reputation that preceded him of being immature and offensive. And then he took the stage to accept the best rap album Grammy for the Mar- Marshall Mathers LP. And everyone was shook because he came across as super charming and super diplomatic. So in his speech, he said, what should I say first? I guess, first of all, I want to thank everybody who could look past the controversy or whatever and see the album for what it was and also for what it isn't. Yeah. So again, kind of what we were talking about. He's making fun of everything. And unfortunately, he has a lot of fans who take it at face value. But he's nothing is sacred and he's always poking fun. Yeah. And while shedding light on larger issues. So whether you love him or you hate him or you don't give a shit about him, he's a super interesting, prolific figure. And everyone was very surprised to see him be very composed on stage when it really came down to it for the acceptance speech. He's a fascinating person. Yeah. And figure and performer. He also thanked his mentor, Dr. Dre, who was named producer of the year the same year. So this was all in 2001. So then they did the performance, which made history. Elton John and Eminem did a duet. Oh, God. The Academy president, Michael Green, introduced the performance, pointing out, quote, we can't edit out the art that makes us uncomfortable. Remember, that's what our parents tried to do to Elvis, the Stones, and the Beatles. So we're in this time, and I mean, I know we're talking about 99, this is a little bit ahead, but we're in this time where, you know, censorship is a hot button issue, as it always is, and these new shocking envelope-pushing performers are really becoming mainstream, successful in the mainstream. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the 90s music paved the way for that. So pretty wild. And then at that same show that all of this drama with Eminem was happening, sync, Sheryl Crow, Moby... With the Blue Man Group and Faith Hill, they all performed. God, but I... most notably, Moby performed with the Blue Man Group, which I think is loud. And U2 won Song of the Year for Beautiful Day. The same year that the Marshall Mathers LP won Best Rap Album. Wild time. That was 01. So, you know, getting a little ahead, but crazy shit. So Eminem's this really fascinating figure, and he had he's did work so early yeah. in his career. And yet, this was the Slim Shady LP, which is one of his most well-known things. You know, he, he's known as Slim Shady. And it carries through the rest of his work. But Warped Tour was a jumping off point for that. Wild. Yeah, and I don't know if it helped or hurt or didn't do anything, right. but it happened. Yeah. And he played Warped, which is crazy, and it certainly helped Warped Tour. My name is... My name is... My name is... Now to the main event, Warped Tour, 99. Kicked off on June 25th, 1999 in San Antonio, Texas. It concluded on July 31st in Orlando, Florida. Tour stops included three stops in Texas, three stops in California, three stops in Canada, two stops in Pennsylvania, Florida, and New York, respectively. Some other states of note, they stopped by Oregon, Washington State, Washington, D.C., Missouri, Illinois, Ohio, etc. They're hitting all of America. They're hitting Midwest. They're hitting the South. They're hitting the coasts. They're everywhere. As far as I can tell, there were no international stops beyond North America, which is crazy because 1999's run was so ambitious, and I feel like that's why they didn't do that. Yeah. Because we talked a lot about, for those of you who didn't listen to the last history episode, which you should, it's very interesting, and Zoe did a kick-ass job. They were all over the place and went to Japan. Like, yeah. they were all over the place. Japan, I think 
Yeah, 98 was Japan, the UK, yeah. Australia, too. There's so much yeah. less info on 99, especially on Wikipedia. Usually, like, the really big years have their own page. 99 doesn't. So I was kind of filling in the gaps with random websites that were of questionable origin. <laughs> Interesting. But as far as I can tell, it was I U.S. wonder if 98 maybe bled them a little bit on the money front, and they were just trying Probably. to recoup. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. I think it was a transition year for sure. Yeah. So... My favorite thing that I found, I found this article from Trans World Skateboarding Magazine. What? Wow. Cool. Yes. <laughs> the Skateboarding Magazine, they uh, published an article that reported the lineup, the Warped lineup announcement. So I'm going to read directly gotcha. from it. The Vans Warped Tour has officially announced its 1999 lineup of performers and attractions Thursday night at the Vans Skate Park located in Orange, California. Perfect. So they just all showed up at the skate park and they're like, here's <laughs> what we're doing this year. In an effort, this is still a quote, in an effort to keep the Vans Warped Tour new and exciting each year, 1999 offers a unique lineup of hip-hop, punk, hard rock, and ska. So notable that they would yeah. lead in with hip-hop. Yeah. They were clearly trying to lean into, in the late 90s, early 2000s, this this huge untapped market for them. Yeah. You know? Among the names headlining the North America Tour, uh, to quote them, the tour's fifth annual North America jaunt. Oh, my God. Um, and I think it's interesting. Part of why I'm quoting this directly, I think it's so interesting how they placed the artists in order. Yeah. So the order in which they listed these were Eminem, Seven Dust, Pennywise, Blink-182, mm -hmm. Black Eyed Peas, <laughs> Balls. Less Than Jake, Dropkick Murphys, nice. Mexico's Molotov, and Australia's The Living End. Nice. Grinspoon and Friends All Wrong. Interesting. What a what weird a... handful to feel the need to put in your <laughs> yeah. website. Well, in your magazine at the time. Yeah. Now their website. It's living there forever. Um, bonkers. That yeah. order. And that Blink-182 was like such an afterthought. But it's like the in Black there. Eyed Peas were there. Which is crazy because they weren't a big name at that point. No, they were new. And this was pre-Fergie, you said, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, we mentioned in the last episode. They knew, you know, I guess. Black Eyed Peas actually make total sense because early Black Eyed Peas, very Rastafarian influence, very mm -hmm. Jamaican influence. So they were kind of bridging the gap between the hip hop and the ska, which kind of makes sense, weirdly enough. But I cannot picture the traditional white warped tour man going to see the Black Eyed Peas. <laughs> yeah, no, I can't either. Uh, so cool. the tour yes. had two main stages a side stage and a local stage. The local stage was booked by each market's promoter. So it was very individually curated by region. It wasn't like Kevin Lyman just Which, kind of guessed who was popular where. They actually got yeah. the promoter of that market to say, like, who's hot and worth yeah. it in that area. So truly local stage, which is cool. They also had skaters on tour, and that's yeah. how I knew this, because I saw the Skate World article. Nice. So some of the skaters on tour included Steve Caballero. Steve Caballero? Lero? I don't know if he's Italian or <laughs> Hispanic. Mike Frazier and Neil Hendricks. Those were some of the big skaters that they felt the need to report on. <laughs> I am not a skater, so yep. I don't know. I know Bam Margera. That's it. There we go. Uh, Tony Hawk. <laughs> Tony Hawk, obviously. Yeah, right. But, you know. So, um, interesting. And they uh, were promoting skaters as well. So, you brought up, in 1998, they had a film festival, and yes. they had a ladies' lounge. Wild choices. Yeah. In 1999, they scrapped those oh, in God. favor of the Mod Art and Groove <laughs> Tent. <laughs> so, there's still... What? 
They've not, they're not quite batting a thousand, what? and they just keep trying new shit. Mod art and groove tennis. Is this the stoners hang out? Direct quote from Transworld Skate. Quote, mod art and groove tent is a collaboration of fashion, art, photography, skateboarding culture, and music. Oh, Okay. Mod art will feature a daily art show, including pieces from artists from the world of skateboarding, snowboarding, and music. The tent will also feature a daily fashion show. Oh my god! <laughs> in which audience members will be chosen as models. Oh my god! Whoa! Wow! During the art and fashion show, the IE Orchestra and Common Sense will perform live. Just a lot to unpack. There's wow. a lot going on. Crazy, right? I love that they were like, cool. So they just keep pivoting, but never yeah, in the right direction. Never really. They were like, okay, so the film fest was like too chaotic. Like we had to lug a lot of, like, a lot of VCRs. We had to get rights and blah, blah, blah. So instead, <laughs> let's just like pull up some sweaty teenagers and be like, cool. You've got a cool shirt on. Walk down this catwalk. Yeah. That'll go fine. Isn't that? Sure. Insane? Yeah. Whose idea was that? Because I don't know. It doesn't like really feel like... Feel like I'm really in in with the kids these days. I know exactly... (laughs) I know exactly what to do. Like, what? Yeah. Because I... Interesting. I don't know how to feel about that. I really wish I could see that. Yeah. See how that worked. Was the art like from the? I didn't really ever. I couldn't find anything on it beyond this Transworld skate thing. Right. The only art that I would really see maybe coming out of the skateboard the skateboard world is a lot of graffiti art, which is cool. But like, how do you? I mean, precursor to. I mean, Travis Barker founded Famous Stars and Straps in the two thousands. But a huge part of that was it was skateboard wear, but there was a huge emphasis on tattoo art. So it oh, might be something like that. I don't know. I'm just thinking, yeah. you know, of like skate brands yeah. and whatnot. I know tattoo art's a huge influence in that. Graffiti for sure. Um, yeah, street art. I don't know. And were there like decks on display or were there yeah. like canvas? That, like what was on exactly. display and how was it not destroyed? Yeah, right. Exactly. Because I, again, I just can't see like a bunch of easels like propped up. Right. Not being. I don't know how to, I don't even know what to envision. And then a fashion show going on. And then this orchestra <laughs> is playing the whole time. What? I want to be, I, if I could go back, I want to go to that work tour and be the person that like got to pick people out of the crowd and be like, want to go up on stage? Cool. Yeah. You look like you want to walk. Yeah. Right. Like, I, wow. Okay. Uh, okay. I mean, I appreciate that they, again, were like trying, uh, you know, that they uh, were you know had had a lot of success really pretty quickly, and looked around and said, "Where what else can we do, and how can we really tap into it?" Because again, they really could. I mean, honestly, I feel like by ninety by the by the third year ninety seven, they really like found a pretty good solid groove. I mean, I yeah. Well, this is their five year anniversary, and they're yeah. still trying weird new shit. Yeah, which is cool, but also kind of like yeah. You know, sometimes it's, you know, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Like, I think at the end of the day, people go to meet the artists and to see the bands. But There's I think, not enough time to go to the other stuff, to be honest. But I think so much of what we know of Warped is because of this trial. And true, error. true, 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 true. 
I think, you know, finally figuring out that, yeah, we want record labels to have tents. We want to meet people. We want the bands to sell their own merch. We want to have in-person interactions and we want sponsored free shit. That all was later 2000s. Because True. of this trial and error, you know? <laughs> because they had a fashion show with yeah. a bunch of punk kids. Well, and I would argue, if you asked someone who attended 99 yeah. how they would feel if we showcased or explained, like, what, like, 2011's Warped Tour looked like, yeah. if they'd th- say the same thing and be like, what the fuck? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Why is it a Comic-Con now? Right. Why is this a meet and greet now? We're here yeah. for the music. Yeah. Or saying, like, the lineup's too big. You can't see everybody. What's the point? Right. You know? like True. it's True. It's interesting. And it's definitely an ever-evolving thing. And, I mean, now we're here at the 25th anniversary. Yeah. Allegedly, last year was the last year worked, and yet we're doing this 25th anniversary. Right. With a handful of dates, you know? And each one's a little different, and each one has different offerings. Yeah. Which is wild. True. And I'm sure there are people who will be completionists who will go to all four this summer. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It's wild, but like what we is what we think warped is of these like sponsored tents of record labels selling compilations of meeting the bands probably wasn't really as fathomable then. Yeah. And especially because we had social media and we had MySpace and we wanted to meet the band and we'd look we'd Google photos of the band. Right. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Very different than the word of mouth, like here's a mixtape, I want to hear it in person and jump yeah. around. Right. True. Yeah. True. And especially as young women growing up in it and like hot topic culture and like us being conditioned to want to like fuck these dudes basically <laughs> it's, you know kind it's of, very different because yeah. we were not the key demo then yeah Chemical bomb, eyes melt, skin explodes, everybody dead. It won't be long. So, with hip hop in the mainstream and pop taking a front seat, despite the politically charged time, Warped expanded its lineup beyond its pop punk metal and ska predecessors, which I kind of alluded to already. The usual suspects played the main stage Blink 182, The Bouncing Souls, Less Than Jake, Pennywise, Suicidal Tendencies, H2O, and The Vandals are of note. Um, but there were some unexpected main stage additions, which we already mentioned. Eminem and the Black Eyed Peas. Insane. Ready to have your socks blown off? Guess who else was on? Ice-T. <laughs> what? Ice-T was promoting his seventh Shut up. studio album, The Seventh Deadly Sin, and he played Warp Tour. Like, the whole time or just like a date? I'm pretty sure the whole time. Why? I mean, hip hop and rap, baby. I don't know why Ice T would say yes. Exactly. Like I feel like Ice T by his seventh album, like he's literally the original gangsta. Yeah. Why would he be like? You know what I need to do? Is that wild? <laughs> what, like what manager and agent of his were like? Trust us on this. <laughs> I guess they want more of the youth market. I don't I know. Guess so so weird, right? Wow, so had... that was the one I kept in my back pocket this nice. whole time. I had no idea. And that album's not on Spotify, and I found, like, one song on YouTube from it that I didn't like, so I didn't <laughs> do anything. But Ice-T was there. I mean, feel free to clip out. It doesn't have to be 99. Feel free to clip out some Ice-T for those who don't know, because Ice-T is literally the original gangster. He invented That's, OG yeah. and is a very big figure in rap. Yeah. And he, for some reason, played Warped. And this isn't, like, early Ice-T, because, like, Eminem was new. Yeah. And he was alternative, and he was white. Right. So he had this weird white boy energy that kind yeah. of related. And, like, his music video is very similar to those of the Foo Fighters and Blink-182. But Ice-T, very much his own artist. Very much yeah. his own 
rap right figurehead you know Man, crazy what a what a journey yeah that must have been when I wrote about parties, someone always died. When I tried to write happy, yo, I knew I lied. Cause I live a life of crime. Why play a blind? A simple looking anyone with two cents would know I'm a hardcore player from the streets. Rapping about hardcore topics over hardcore drum beats. A little different than the average, though. Jet you through the fast lane, drop you on death row. And then there was the bus stage. So there was the main stage, which I just covered, and then the bus stage. That featured Dropkick Murphys and Jimmy Eat World, both of whom would become pop punk staples and have some mainstream radio success as well beyond the pop punk scene. So interesting, they weren't quite the main stage, but they were right. getting up there. Yep. Uh, CKY played as well to promote their first album because wow. CKY formed in 1998. Wow. So they were on Warped very early on in their career. Yeah. You know why? Why? The drummer of CKY is Jess Margera. Brother to oh. skateboarder and jackass alum Bam Margera ah. of Viva La Bam fame yes. of my entire childhood. <laughs> so Bam produced, I mean, he was a skateboarder at the time, so yep. that lent some street cred. But Bam Margera produced their videos, which helped them mm-hmm. gain, gain traction and popularity with the skateboarder community, especially. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that was a huge part of CKY getting in on Warped very early on in their career. They're very interesting. I would love to talk more about them later on at some point but they have this weird they're not quite metal but they're not quite punk but they have these really like so poetic lyrics almost pretentious lyrics mm-hmm. with this they're just packaged so interestingly yeah. their music's very interesting and they're still going strong to this day wow yeah brings your fear in 54 So CKY was there. I just think they're so interesting. Simple Plan was there as well. Really? Uh, Also, according to Wikipedia, Simple Plan would play the next seven years of Warped straight. Oh my God. And they've continued to return sporadically and they're on the lineup this summer for Warped's 25th anniversary. That's like quite the residency too. Of just like, where can I see Simple Plan? Especially for Simple Plan who are more of the pop end of the pop punk spectrum. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Local stage had some interesting players, most notably Finger Eleven and Newfound Glory. Wow. They were at the local stage and they were newbies and this was Newfound Glory's first year. And they were new. They were a new band. And, yeah. you know, for those of you who don't know, who are unfamiliar with the scene, Newfound Glory is a quintessentially pop punk, just so well known yeah. and referenced. The band All Time Low is named after a Newfound Glory song. Yeah. Newfound Glory's huge and they've been around forever. And they would and go on to be like staples. Yeah. They're huge staples. They just did, I think, their third or fourth from the Screen to Your Stereo album. Mm hmm. Because they had a listening party in LA, but I missed it. <laughs> so interesting that they started on the local stage. And then Finger Eleven, who would be like all over the radio yeah. 10 years later. Huge, yeah. Uh, yeah. And then that brings us to the Warp Tour compilation. Uh, the 1999 compilation was called A Compilation of Warped Music 2. It wasn't like wow. 1999. It wasn't. It was called a compilation of Warped Music 2. It was released by Side One Dummy Records mm. because so they numbered them that way because the previous year was the first time Side One yeah. Dummy released it. 
Um, interestingly enough, Side One Dummy is an LA label. They were founded in 1995, so they mm. were a very young label to have such a high honor. Side One Dummy was formed by Bill Armstrong and Joe Sib, largely just to promote their friends' bands and give them those resources. And they're credited with kickstarting the careers of some indie heavy hitters. Notably for me, one of my favorite bands of all time, the Gaslight Anthem. Also, Friends of the Pod, Gogol Bordello. Yeah. And Flogging Molly, just to name a few. And then to fast forward to today, so Side One Dummy was known for releasing Warped Tour compilations. It's one of the biggest things that they were known for, mm-hmm. and they were pretty much the only label to consistently release them for a huge chunk of time. I, if I'm not mistaken, they released every compilation since 1998. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So we kind of jumped around before. We talked a little bit about Epitaph before. Yeah. Um, but Side One Dummy really kept with it the rest of the run, right. essentially. Yeah. Um, so to fast forward to today, Side One Dummy has recently gone under serious restructuring. Wow. So Side One Dummy has been this stronghold for indie pop punk music, and they've promoted so many amazing bands um, and they were actually in talks recently of our queer pick of the week. They were in recent talks with uh, our girl from Against Me. Ah. And then within like a month of their conversation with her, all of a sudden announced that they were doing serious restructuring. And on January 3rd of 2018, Side One Dummies founders laid off the label's entire <sighs> staff except for one employee. Oh my God. So the general manager, the director of marketing, the production and digital director, and the marketing manager were all let go. What? As well as their social media person. Why? It's very mysterious, and basically we're assuming that they've run out of money. Uh. So a quote um, from this Vice article that I found said, a big asset to Side One Dummy's catalog was the Vans Warped Tours compilation CD series, Mm -hmm. which the label had been releasing annually since 1998, and whose gold records hung on the walls of the Side One Dummy offices. But the CDs have seen diminishing returns over the years, as have the Warped Tours ticket sales, according to founder Kevin Lyman. This was reported in 2018. The Warped Tour will come to an end after this summer's run, and the compilations will cease production as well. Though, Armstrong says this loss did not contribute to Side One Dummy's restructuring, noting that the label did not own digital rights to the compilation songs. So, so it's tricky. Yeah. I, I think it feeds into it at least a little. Yeah, it's got to. Um, but they never got digital rights to those compilations. Those compilations were purely CD sales, which right. is pretty crazy. For them, at least. Yeah. So it's an, it raises an interesting question of where we're at, and this you know tied directly to Warped announcing their end. But again, yeah. we're here. Side One Dummy moved their offices. They're actually in Hollywood, and now they're in Glendale. Oh. And uh, Warped said they were over, and then they announced this, you know, four-stop anniversary. Right. So it's interesting to say. I don't know where we're at. And this is exactly 20 years later from the year that I'm reporting on. So That's wild. It's super interesting, super wild, and it's hard to say where we'll go yeah. from here. And, I mean, it's hard to say where we're at. We don't even know what's going on with Sideline Dummy, who were a stronghold for so long. So that's interesting. So with all of that, the 1999 compilation, which back in the day, simpler time, when they were more (laughs) successful, the 99 compilation featured tracks by H2O, Dropkick Murphys, Suicidal Tendencies, Pennywise, MXPX, Less Than Jake, Sick of It All, Unwritten Law, 
mustard plug that wild i sent you that wild album art yes google mustard plug and just look at all their album art and you're gonna be tripped the fuck out yes and they're a ska band their music's very fun but that album art is traumatic (laughs) that album art's right i didn't pick ska this this i know are you shook i am also the aquabats and then most notably the 1999 compilation concluded with a live version of apple shampoo by blink 182 so it was pretty. It was pretty understood that Blink was a stronghold and was one of the heavier hitters. Yeah. I think, yeah, based on how that track listing was yeah. built, and that concludes my notes. There was a lot going on, and fast forwarding to now, side one dummy and all those implications are really interesting. Mm-hmm. Eminem's career is insane, and he only grew more because of Warped. As far as I can tell, Ice T's career was unchanged. <laughs> Um, Ice-T just wanted like a summer off, I guess. Yeah. He wanted to go, literally just go to summer camp. Yeah. But in this uh, crazy year of a lot of tragedies, a lot of unrest, there was, you know, Warped went on and kids yeah. went out and did fashion shows for some reason. <laughs> and I like to think we're all better for it. Yeah. I mean, I guess, yeah, Warped Tour must have also thought like, well, I mean, it wouldn't, no, that's like such a weird conspiracy that like all technology was going to like self-destruct or something around right. Y2K. But I wonder if that's why they were like, let's maybe not do VCRs this year. Let's do fashion <laughs> instead. Like, doing it live. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So uh, if any of you were at 1999's Warped Tour, any stops, let us know on our social medias. That'd be awesome. Yeah. We would love to hear from you. If any of you have any fun facts you want to share with us, any complaints, any bands that we missed, let us know. Uh, you know, I try to do the broad strokes of it all and kind of find fine tooth comb the really weird shit but let me know what i forgot and give us some suggestions for 2000 we're really excited to get to the new millennium next month and really dive into stuff that we were more alive and cognizant for (laughs) and any final thoughts man what a year sounds like fun i'm it's a again it's really incredible to just see in five years how fast and how big warped her grew yeah and that it would continue on for another 20 years after this yeah um, well, an interesting dynamic to see how much they grew in 98 and then how much they shrunk back down for 99. Yes. It definitely is a good marker of like, they, I think they probably lost money on 98 and had to kind of scale back a little bit to just, yeah, especially that Ozfest collab. Oof, that Ozfest collab, infamous. Um, but again, I mean, at the end of the day, I appreciate, I still do appreciate that they were really trying to, to put as many different genres and as many different people on a tour, yes, obviously for a monetary reason, like the more people you can get, the more money you're gonna make. Right. But also, it you know, it's a celebration of of everybody who didn't fit the mainstream. It's so. a cultural moment for all of the outsiders. Yeah, except I see, who's very not an outsider. But he's also an outsider. I mean, in a way. I guess true. You know, true. true, true. He, 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 I think he just OG, really wanted like a summer camp. As the OG, he, he was an uphill climb. You know, he was like, all I want to do is go eat some gas station hot dogs yeah with a bunch Sans of sans buns because the sublime yeah. pimple peed on him there we go so <laughs> listen to our old history episodes yeah. in case you didn't get that reference man that's amazing thank you so much for doing all that work of Rachel. course i'm sorry awesome. to talk y'all's ears off i hope y'all found it interesting amazing thanks for listening to work to remember yeah join <laughs> us next week for something a little fun a little mixed up little simple compared to this <laughs> less info more emotions oh my god that's what we should do emotions yes. a little moat how do you feel Ooh. all right with that <laughs> we'll see you next week bye
I heard him. He was singing along to the music at the bar. Do you remember what he was singing? I think it was that song, I Want It That Way. Backstreet Boys, I'm familiar. Okay. Number one, could you please sing the opening to I Want It That Way? Really? Okay. You are my fire. Number two, keep it going. The one desire. Number three. Believe when I say. Number four. I want it that way. Tell me why. Ain't nothing but a heartache. Tell me why. Ain't nothing but a mistake. Now number five. I never want to hear you say. I want it that way. Ah, oh, chills. Literal chills.